<laughs> okay, so we're, we're in Shannon's house today. We're late. We're sorry. We're so late. No, we, here's why we're late. Because we're being perfectionist. perfectionist. And that's what we're talking about I today. know, and I'm trying to get the, the thing exactly scoot this way just a little bit. <laughs> so we're just saying, hold on. We're going to get this perfect, and then we're going to talk about not being a perfectionist as soon as we're perfect. Oh, okay. So we're at Shannon's house today, um, and so Welcome. we had to set up or yes. reset up our situation here. So thank you all for joining us. We really appreciate it. Lots to do. And today we are talking about perfectionism, which I think Ooh. we both we both are recovering. <laughs> yes. Yes. My name is Shannon, and I'm a recovering <laughs> perfectionist. Although today it would not look like I'm in recovery. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it, it does creep back into my life a lot. I remember right after I got married, and my mother said to me because I was really upset with the way that my ex-husband Jeff was loading the dishes in the dishwasher. He was not doing it correctly. He wasn't washing them enough before he put them in the dishwasher. And I got really upset and my mom gave me a little piece of advice. She goes, let me tell you something, Suzanne. Stop criticizing the way he puts the dishwasher dishes in the dishwasher or he won't be putting the dishes in the dishwasher Ever anymore. Again. Yeah. It's true. I love that concept. My story um, that that I got this shown to me years ago just in, in a relative of mine. I had a cousin who was up north and she was doing creek rocks around her um, gazebo in the back and she told her husband I need a certain amount of creek rocks and he's I mean he's on it right he's got this little Honda and he's got 85 creek rocks in the back I mean it's dragging the ground he went to every creek in Ohio and got these creek rocks and he's getting them out of the car I mean, they're heavy and he's hauling them back to the gazebo he spends hours it's like a five-hour project and my cousin comes out after and she goes listen if you're not gonna do it right don't do it at all and I was, oh. I was like, oh my God. And I looked at her and I went, but what's the right way to do, do creek rocks? rocks? Like, is this Better Homes <laughs> and Gardens? Just lay them down. Yeah, Better Homes and Gardens, page 72, tells you the correct way. But it was such a mirror image to me because when you're a perfectionist, you believe there's a right and a wrong way to do everything. And I'm going to burst your bubble today. There is a way to do it and there's a different way to do it. Yeah. But there is not a right or wrong way to do almost anything. You know, it's, I really, it was interesting because we were kind of chatting before, um, before we started going live about where this comes from and why, why do we feel this need to be perfect and have a little bit of OCD and, you know, want everything done just exactly the right way. Um, and you said it's kind of interesting how this presents itself and it has to do with shame from yes. being a kid. She's calling me out, but, <laughs> but we do have to talk about where this comes from. So I'll be the sacrificial lamb today. So at the end of the day, a lot of people think perfectionism is about, I just want to be the best. I want to, I, I care about things. I want good work product. I, no, perfectionism is about shame. And there's a sweet little lady by the name of Brene Brown who will tell you all about it in a book called The Gifts of Imperfection. And she um, is an amazing researcher and she writes about it. But basically... She's on Oprah a lot, right? I think so. Yeah. She's, she's amazing. And she's written Daring Greatly. Mm -hmm. And now she's written The Gifts of... Or The Gifts of Imperfection, I think, was one of the first ones. But here's the deal, guys. We feel like we are not enough. I love this line. No matter what gets done and how much is left undone, I am enough. That is the beginning of the recovery process, telling yourself that because perfectionism comes from a belief system that I am not enough, 
that you will not approve of me, that you will not accept me. So Suzanne's calling me out of how we were chatting about this earlier. <laughs> so I was raised very, very poor. No disrespect to my amazing mother because she killed herself to give me everything I needed. But brief synopsis, mom and dad were married. There was a good amount of money to go around because they both worked really hard and they were married. But at 10, they got divorced. And when my you mom, were 10. When I was 10, mm -hmm. they got divorced. And I think dad was ordered to pay $40 in child support a week. Woo! Wow. And I don't know that he did that sometimes. At the end of the day, we were so poor that at one point the transmission went out in our car. Now you think about that today. If my transmission went out, I wouldn't think go twice. I'd just go fix. get it fixed, right. right? I mean, a lot of times I'm driving a lease car that's still under warranty. Not a big deal. But we didn't have any money. So the way we dealt with it is that we would have to rock the car to roll out of the driveway. We parked on hills so that we could roll into reverse because we couldn't do it for maybe six months a year. I don't know, it was a very long time. It was enough to make it very clear to me that I was different than that kid whose birthday party I went to that mm -hmm. was in the you know, gated community and were million dollar homes. So I carried a lot of shame that I was less than, that my clothes were less than, that my purse was less than, that my stuff was less than. And so I went into the world at 18, 19 years old. I went to University of Florida, if you can imagine, with yeah. all the wealthy people. I think I had like nine roommates with BMWs, all different colors. <laughs> and, like, and I had an old beater car that I was grateful to have. But I walked into life at 18 years old feeling and knowing that I was not enough mm -hmm. and have spent the rest of my life up until maybe 25, 30 trying to prove is it and always it associated with shame though? Because I, I feel like my daughter carries a lot of, like she has a lot of this and I know it's probably because of me, but she has very, that very perfectionism uh, gene because she, and, and, but I don't think it's shame in her case or is it? I, it, it usually, you know, again, I have not read this book cover to cover, but I, as a therapist working in the field 20 years, every single time I've seen it, it's about shame, mm -hmm. but it's about different kinds of shame. shame. My daughter doesn't have any shame about money. Right. She, she, she's right. like, well, should I wear this one or this one? Right. I mean, she's never lived that. Her right. dad's a lawyer. I'm a therapist. We both have worked very hard right. and we both have done well. So my daughter and my son don't really carry any shame. I don't right. think about where they live Around, or what they ride money. in. Or, and if they right. do, shame on them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but my daughter definitely feels not enough. And, and definitely um, works so mm -hmm. hard in school. As a matter of fact, this video is dedicated to her because we had a conversation where she's at University of Florida, which, you know, only number seven in the nation, I think it just made, or 10 in the nation, go Gators. Mm -hmm. So pretty impressive. And yet she's there and she's getting A's and she's studying too much and she's feeling not enough and she's doing her list and she's not allowing herself to play, not allowing herself to watch Netflix, not allowing herself to read a book for pleasure because I've got to work harder. And every time she's not working, she feels like I should be, be doing, doing something. something. So, I have that. Right. Yeah. This I is feel, what it looks like. I, I can't just sit down. I'm like, Suzanne, just relax. Like, you don't have to be like constantly doing something, you know? Well, to answer your question, Hannah's shame comes from being um, a kid in gifted classes as a, as a child and then I moved her because the gifted teacher was horrible and so all her friends were in gifted and she wasn't in gifted. Wow. And from five years old, I'm not enough. 
Yeah. I'm not gifted. She is gifted. But I made a decision because the teacher was not doing great things and I didn't want the pressure. I just wanted my kid to have fun. Yeah. Very well intentioned. The wound, we talk about childhood woundings, mm -hmm. the wound that causes, oh, I'm not enough to, to be, be in the gifted class. And the other five year olds were happy to tell her so. See, is there a way as a parent that you can, um, you know, help them not feel that way? Or, I mean, is there, I mean, I, I, like with Lane, I feel like there's something I should be telling her. And I think hers has to do around school and also around social media, which, you know, uh, you see a lot of... The biggest. You know, it is. Because they're always, they're inundated with these images of these girls and these women that, um, you know, have these perfect pictures. They're not real, by the way. <laughs> um, Airbrush. But, you know, they're constantly bombarded with that. And we are in a total cultural crisis of I'm not enough right now mm -hmm. because of social media. It doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. Hannah and I were discussing this recently. Everybody else is having more fun than you. Yeah. And everybody else is together and you're not in that group. And it's so funny because my best friend from college came in town and we had 25 minutes together yesterday. 25. Mm -hmm. And you know what we did? She said, let's take a picture. So, I don't know if she posted it on social media. I didn't post it. But if she did, the rest of the world would go, <gasps> they're having so much fun there together. We had 25 minutes <laughs> in the mall. She drove to me. I was so grateful. And right. just got a good hug and 10 minutes of conversation, literally. Right. And a nice picture. And, and it looks it. like. But it looks, looks like, like. You guys are hanging out and having the best time. She made me a priority. We spent the whole day together. Right. She didn't get to see that one. She didn't spend time with that one. But right. she said, it's such garbage what yeah. social media looks like right. when it's not real. I mean, it was a lovely 25 minutes. I was grateful. But that's what happened. So our kids are growing up in, I'm not enough because I'm not invited. Mm -hmm. I'm not enough because I'm not at that party. I'm not enough because I'm not part of that group. They don't want me in their group. And really it's just about chemistry and timing and all kinds of stuff just right. like it was when we were kids. So yes, it's almost always about shame and I'm not enough. And what do we do to help them? We start, I mean, I gave my daughter this book a few years ago mm -hmm. and said, hey, read this. And I love that line, no matter what gets done, how much is left undone, I am enough. And helping Lane and helping Hannah and our children to say that all the time. That's how I, so actually how did I begin to break my perfectionism? Because I was a perfectionist up through, well, graduate school, I graduated with a 4.0. Nobody knows, nobody cares. There's not a therapist or a client who's ever asked me what I've graduated with. It doesn't, <laughs> right. it doesn't matter. matter. And I have tons of friends. And you killed yourself getting that 4.0. Killed myself. <laughs> right. And I have right. friends who like borrowed my papers because they failed theirs and started over with mine right. and used mine. And they're making more money than yes. me. Yes. And I don't have any diplomas on the wall and nobody asks and nobody cares. But I killed myself because I needed to be enough. Mm -hmm. So what happened was I was pregnant with my daughter and I was killing myself. And I was working for this woman who was wonderful and she was one of my mentors and I worked for her for five years. But, you know, she was task-oriented and she'd walk in and she'd say, hey, did you get this done? Did you get that done? Well, I was pregnant. Right. I was threw up twice a day with Hannah. Oh. Sorry to be graphic, but that was the skinny for four months. So I was so anxious and sick all the time that I forgot everything. And I was just, it partly helped me get sick twice a day because I was so worried because you'd say, did you do this? And it's like, oh, I forgot, I forgot. And I was just a wreck by the time Hannah was born. Mm -hmm. I was literally vibrating because I wanted to be perfect for her. Mm -hmm. Just graduated 4.0, done everything in my life up to that point. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Now I have to be perfect for a boss that's watching mm -hmm. and who's a little bit of a like, hey, did you get this done? And she's holding me accountable. Right. I was so physically sick 
and we were therapists together and we did this treatment program five days a week and we brought people in from all over the world and this therapist invented something called new outfits where people would try a new behavior on for 24 hours and it would fit with whatever their disorder was. Mm -hmm. And the treatment protocol for perfectionism was the new outfit of celebrating mistakes. So the person had to go to dinner with everybody because it was a five-day program where they stayed with us. So they'd go to dinner with everybody. They'd knock over the salt shaker and then go, oh, God, well, <laughs> sorry about that. Let's see here. You know, and they'd bring attention to it, right. highlight it, and, and get everybody you know, aware that they screwed up and then just own it and right. then celebrate it. Right. And it was profound really what 24 Sounds hours. hokey but it wasn't hokey. <laughs> so i will tell you i'm gonna get real hokey for a minute i'm gonna get real hokey for a minute so i started and i'm doing, all about hokey well it that's the point right so that's what i started doing my boss would come in she'd go hey did you book the hotel for next week we've got 12 people coming in and i go request permission for a flyby no I mean, it's like you never even told me. Uh, no, I hope there's a hotel available. Like, I guess I screwed that up. And you still uh, had a job on yes. this? It's the best story. She And she would just look at me like, okay, well, you need to call. And I'd be like, yeah, I hope there's a hotel because we might be staying in Boynton to go to Jupiter. I don't know. Like, I would turn the volume up I because what happened is I owned all of it. Right. I celebrated it. And there's a funny thing that happens to your brain when you do that. Your brain goes, whoa, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. And so the shame goes down. down. I did that for one year. Every time I screwed up. Have you ever been pregnant? Do you forget everything <laughs> when you're pregnant? Yes. Everything. I did uh. that for one year the entire time. Every time I made a mistake, she would ask the littlest question. Did you copy that list of phone names? <laughs> no. <laughs> I never did it. I mean, in one ear, out the other. What? Doozy bots here. I don't know. I would every single time. And she'd just cock her head and go, okay, could you print that list? It was profound. Four or five years later, she was going through a situation in her life. And she came to me and she said, I want to tell you, I was telling my husband how much I admire you. You always own everything you do. You never make an excuse. You never make up a story. You own everything wholeheartedly. And I couldn't believe wow. what I was hearing because I wanted to say, and I think I did say, well, I did it kind of because, because of, of our you. relationship right. because I wanted to please you. And I was physically sick when I didn't. Mm -hmm. And it was so powerful that that was her favorite trait about me. But it removed the shame. And the message my brain got is it just doesn't. Yeah, and how profound would that be in any relationship? Not just a boss-employee yeah. relationship, but a, you know, it's a spouse-husband-wife relationship, a friendship. I think you can use that for everything because I think we get so defensive, and we, you know, especially as a perfectionist, you get so defensive, you know, and and That's you exactly. don't own up to it because you want to be perfect, and you don't want anyone to think you're not perfect. Oh yeah, so. just to check and make sure we're talking to the right people. Here's what it looks like. This is what it looked like my whole life. Oh well, I didn't do the list because when you told me to, then you asked me to call someone, and when I called so and so, and then I got distracted, and then but I was gonna do the list, but then the computer glitch. Like I would be so, so defensive, yes. reactive, and have a million stories, and then walk away feeling horrible about myself. Right. And today, and my clients will tell you this. I walk in my lobby. There's two people sitting there. I go. <laughs> I screwed up. <laughs> I'm like, 
Which, which one, one does belong? Waiting? Which one doesn't belong here? And I know it's my fault. I always own it now. Right, I right. own it even if it's their fault because it doesn't matter, matter because I'm right. enough. Right. I am enough today. Today, I turned 46 in December. I'm enough. I'm a good enough mom. I'm a good enough therapist. I'm a good enough wife. I'm not the best. I'm not perfect, but it's enough. Right. Right. The other thing that's a great uh, tool, we always love to give tools, is perfectionism is bred and kind of ingrained with OCD, right? Every mm -hmm. dishes in the dishwasher. We can't stand to have dishes in the sink. We can't stand to have laundry. You know you're a perfectionist when you get so worked up with laundry. Mm -hmm. I have three loads of laundry. I need to get my laundry. I have dishes in the sink. I have clutter everywhere. If you want to recover from perfectionism, leave it. Yeah. Leave you know, I, I like a week. Yeah. I've gotten that way. You know, I, I have a hard time with like, um, taking and not taking care of my bills. I get all my bills done, but just like filing them yeah. and the office, the, the office in my house, that's the only thing that stresses me out because yeah. I let things kind of pile up without filing them away or really taking care of, you know, certain things that I know don't need to be taken care of right away. And I've just got to that point where I'm like, see, and it doesn't matter. I mean, as long as you're paying your bills on time and it doesn't yeah. matter if you file it in the perfect file that it's supposed to go to and it sits on your desk for a little bit longer than it should. Yeah. You know, I just think we get so caught up in making everything so perfect. And you're right, being so defensive about yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. You know? Because it's a statement that you're not enough. Right. Every time the world sees that you have laundry, that something's wrong, it's a statement that you're not enough. And that's what Suzanne was calling me out earlier because she was coming to my house for the first time. And I've done really well with my perfectionism for years. But one area that I struggle is when someone new is coming to my home and I care about them and I care about how they see me and I want them to know that I'm a good citizen and I'm a good person and I'm clean and I have a clean home. I get crazy with how... I do things to my house that no one is ever going to see. It might have involved a Q-tip. A Q-tip. I almost said a toothpick. A Q-tip. We're not talking about that. She season. was cleaning with a Q-tip for me. <laughs> Which is the craziest thing I've ever In hard to reach places, <laughs> a Q-tip can be very effective. Like I'm gonna go look and see. And she's, what she's gonna wipe and like hmm, a little bit dusty. <laughs> In the crevice of and the... And no one cares. Like, I could Nobody care cares. less. I could but care that's less, but the shame. It's so true. That's the shame of growing up poor, where when you're poor, nothing gets fixed. You know, like something breaks and you just you can't get to it, like the car or whatever. So it was all about like... I'm clean, I'm a clean person. This is baby powder, but it looks like dust. So let me get rid of it because it looks like I haven't dusted in years, but I have dusted and all that insecurity and shame, right? So being able to leave it, like with the laundry and the dishes, that was how I worked on my perfectionism. I, I'm not kidding, this is how bad I, I'm really calling myself out today. I'm gonna have a vulnerability hangover tomorrow, <laughs> Renee Brown calls it, because I'm sharing way too much. Oh, but when I was first married, I would come into my home, my purse would be on my shoulder, I would walk into the house, I would make the bed, I would put all the dishes in the dishwasher, I would wipe all the countertops, fluff the pillows, fold everything, my purse was still on my shoulder. I would not, in my brain, you don't get to relax until your home is presentable and perfect, then you get to relax. Wow. I did that. So that the 20s were rough with me with perfectionism because I, I, in my mind, had you know landed a great guy who was wonderful. It was almost like, you almost feel like, the other way people say it is I feel like a fraud. Like if anybody really knows mm -hmm. how inadequate I am, they would never marry me. They right. would never be my friend. They right. would never be my child. They would never hire me. Right. And so you, you have to make it perfect all the time. And of course, 
My husband didn't even notice. Like, what does he care, right? But it was that intense for me. And that's what drives me crazy about social media because I think, you know, I really, I really challenge people to just be real and just be who they are, you know, Mm -hmm. because I think we get so caught up in making everything look perfect. And, you know, I do the same thing too. You want that perfect picture that you're posting, you know, but I think you just sometimes have to show the, you know, real life, you know, and it's not always pretty. I had dog-eared this page in the book by Brene Brown. It says, courage meant, originally meant to speak one's mind by telling one's heart. Speaking honestly and openly about who we are, about what we're feeling, about our experiences, good and bad, is the definition of courage. I love that. Yeah. And that's who I am today. And I think that's definitely who you are today is yeah. to just say, this is who I am. You might love me and you may not love, love me. me. And that's, that's okay. okay. I love me. I think I'm good enough. Right. I think I'm enough. And the people that think I'm enough will be in my company and share time with me. And if they don't, they won't. And that's their choice. It's really okay. But how do you get there? I mean, are there some small steps you can start to take to get there? Because I think if... If you really, it, it's I, I see where you're coming from, and I and I know how much you've changed because you are that person. You're like, take it or leave it. This is who yeah. I am. But a lot of people don't know how to get there. Well, so okay, the first thing I'm not I'm not kidding when I tell you, hokey the celebrating mistakes will change you. It will change your life forever if you make a commitment for the next three months. Every single time you make a mistake. That you own it. throw a party. Own it. Oh my gosh, I did that. <laughs> I did that. That thing that's broken, I broke it. Right. Own it and sell it, you know, make mockery of it, make it big. That's number one. That will change you phenomenally. Mm-hmm. Number two, all the things you're OCD about in your home, if you leave it for like some people are so bad with this, like I was, you could only leave it for a day, like dishes in the sink for a day. So you want to extend it. So do it a day and then the next week make them sit for two days and the next, you know, I don't want roaches and wild animals in your house. <laughs> but, Can we make something else? Yeah, Maybe like laundry. don't make your bed or something. <laughs> don't make your bed. Don't make right. your bed when you leave in the morning. Make it when you get home or see if right. you can leave it unmade. The laundry, leave it to where if you're one of those people, every time you have a load, you do it. Leave it till there's three or four loads. Do it once a week because really here's the big time thing. Perfectionism robs you of your joy. life. It robs yeah. you of your joy. It robs you of your life. We spent how much time messing with this machine while some of you were like, we're waiting, we're yeah. waiting. You take up so much time. Perfectionists in school rewrite their papers three times, retype them, redo them. Do you know how much time you're it wasting? Yeah. So look at these areas of your life that you're spending too much time. You're cleaning, you're spending an hour and a half reapplying your makeup, you're getting crazy with your hair, those kinds of things. Another thing that's great practice, and these are silly hokey tools, but I'm telling you, people paid $5,000 and $10,000 to come to treatment to do these things, which changed their life. The other thing they made me do, go out of the house with two different colored socks on. Go out of the house, not put together. As a perfectionist, you will not catch us dead out in public being disheveled. Yeah. As perfectionist, perfectionist, I went the house to, put I together. went to Dunkin' Donuts in my pajamas this morning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just I did so you know. <laughs> I, and I went to Joe's in a blue shirt and brown shorts and black shoes. That is something I never would have done, done. in 20. Everything right. always matches. But as a recovering perfectionist, I go, I don't care. I okay. put my hair in a scrunchie. <laughs> I had not washed my face. I did brush my teeth. That's all I did. 
but that's how you learn. So you leave the house on Saturdays. I'm not asking you to ruin your career and go to work with. Please don't, <laughs> don't do that. Don't wear your pajamas don't to work. Don't wear your pajamas to work. Don't call me when you've lost your job. Right. On Saturday, roll out of bed, brush your teeth, go to Dunkin' Donuts in your pajamas. Go in your beat up shorts and your and let your toenails that you haven't, you know, that you haven't had your pedicure, wear your flip-flops for the day. Yeah. Show the world I don't have it all together. together and I really don't care. That is another <laughs> Glenn, great tool. Glenn writes, it, it, re, it all really doesn't matter. That's my mantra. That's a good mantra to have. You know what I did? Um, I, I would, you know, I, I haven't read a self or found a self-help book that I don't love. that I don't love. <laughs> we know that about Suzanne. Um, so I bought this book because it was on a list of the 10 best self-help books. Oh. <laughs> and so I had to, of course, have it. Um, and it's called Radical Acceptance and it's by Tara Brock. I first bought this book um, probably a year ago and I started to read it and I was like, oh, this is so so woo woo, like it's not me, <laughs> and it, it and I didn't connect with it. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden, I picked it up about three months ago, and it really connected with me. Yeah. And it's all about embracing who you are. It's called radical acceptance, but it's all and it tells you step by step about just how to really accept who you are. You know, all your faults, all your mistakes, everything. Yes. You know. And so if you're, if you're struggling with, with this, I would say go get um, Radical Acceptance. It's another good book in addition to the Brene Brown book. This is by Tara Brock. Right. Um, and I've really just loved, and she's a therapist, mm. and she talks about all the people that are recovering from perfectionism and all of the issues that they've had and how it's all about just accepting who you are. Yeah, and overachieving. And, and some more tips. One of the things Hannah and I were talking about is the list. People judge themselves based Based on list, mm -hmm. right? So if you're one of those people that has a list of 12 things and you won't let yourself stop until you cover all 12 or you, um, another thing we do is we like punish ourselves. Like we won't allow ourselves to go to the beach until everything's done. done. And you may, you know, this is a good point. Some people are raised like this. I know I had a lot of friends growing up that they weren't allowed to do anything until all their chores were done. Mm -hmm. And I don't have a judgment either way, but I know that a lot of people kind of take that on as adults. It's like, I'm not allowed to have joy fun. or fun or play until all the work stuff is done. And you and I can both testify to the fact that it's never, never done. done. It's never done. never done. Especially if you're a single mom, right. forget it. There's right. laundry, <clears throat> excuse me, there's laundry for days. One of the most healthy things I ever did as a single mom because I had worked on my perfectionism and I just didn't think it mattered. Mm -hmm. I took my laundry to the laundromat and they did it for me while I was oh. at the beach with my children. Because as a mom, single mom. But they don't do it right. <laughs> Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because what's right? Guess what? It's clean. Right. That's what's right. It's clean. It doesn't smell anymore. And if it's folded wrong, it doesn't matter. matter. But that right. was huge growth for me. I dropped all my laundry off every Saturday and the kids and I went to the beach, went to the mall, went to the jumping fruit, whatever we wanted to do. I was not going to let the chores right. stop the fun and the joy. The chores got done midnight when they were sleeping or whatever, because it's so is Hannah practicing some of these things? Oh, she's, so. she's, you know, they have a saying like therapists always marry better therapists and yeah. I want to change it to like therapists have better therapists as children. children. Like she's amazing. Yeah. And so she is, she's integrating her yoga. She's, you know, she's making herself instead of, you know, she'll call, she'll go, I have a paper due in nine days. And I'm like, <laughs> Nine days. Nine days? Oh my gosh. But what if you're a perfectionist and a procrastinator like me? Well, <laughs> she, you know, she's got the ADD, right. so that all ties. 
but but you know she's work she's panicking on something in nine days whereas I know you know you're probably like the night before and you get an A and she's that kid that's gonna get an A but she's overworking and so she's now working on like no I'm gonna go out all weekend right it's Thanksgiving I'm going home and I'm gonna hang out with my family and I'm gonna have fun and I now she's learning that she can do less and still get the same grades so that's another tool that I'll give you so many of us don't even know what it takes to get the A or the B. I remember when I fell in love in college freshman year and I couldn't focus anymore and I called my mom and I'm like, oh my God, or sophomore year or something like that. Freshman, sophomore year. And I called my mom and I said, I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail. She goes, no, you now you're going to learn what you really need to do. Because right. I had been overdoing for so long and then I fell in love and I couldn't think of anything but him. Yeah. So I couldn't do anything and guess what? I still made A's. So challenge yourself. Do less and see what happens. Do less at work. And all of you are going, I can't You know, do I less. really started practicing that at work because, um, you know, I still get paid the same amount. <laughs> Funny thing. When I, when I do less, when I'm taking care of myself and, you know, sticking with what I need to do to make, you know, to make my life okay, it's about being efficient too. Yes. I mean, I think you can get all your stuff done. Just don't. Don't overdo it, you right. know? Yeah, and it's it's true. Doing less. Do really less and less. see what happens. Do less and see, um, does your boss even notice? Those right. kinds of things. Now, if you're, you know, I feel like this is, today's session is the intersection of like all nine videos because if you're codependent, when you do less, they are going to be mad. Mm-hmm. So expect that. Right. But really looking at outcome and production. Mm-hmm. I bet you could put in less time and still meet your numbers mm-hmm. if you're, you know, commission based. Uh, yeah, commission based. Yeah. That's a be- that's a great example because I was going to say a lawyer, and that's not true because you right. have to do hourly. But you know, if you're commission based sales, I bet you could do less, use more charisma, and put more oomph into it, and still make the same numbers at the end of the month. Yeah. So practicing to see where you're going to land, that's okay. Right. You know. Um, but I think there's a lot of self-esteem tied into it and doing that for everything in your life. I mean, not just at work, but Mm -hmm. also, you know, if you're putting too much into a relationship, you're putting too much into your kids, you know, try doing a little less, Yes. you know, and it's not about not taking care of them, but, but you know what I mean? I mean, not doing everything for them. Say no, say no. Say no you know, more. my daughter's thing now is she'll be sitting on the couch on her phone and want me to get her water. And I'm like, Lane, <laughs> you are doing nothing. And I'm over here like cleaning the kitchen. Like yes. go yes. into the garage and get yourself your own water. Right. You know, so it's stuff like that that I just think we, you know, we're so we used to doing it and overdoing. Yes. Well, the, my favorite relationship tool that we talked about on the codependency video probably, but when somebody comes in and they're so angry because they're doing, 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 I said, wait a minute, you're in a relationship, it's 50-50, especially in the beginning. Now, granted, I'm married eight years, sometimes he's doing 150, I'm doing zero, sometimes I'm doing 150, but when you're in a new relationship, I love the concept of you're in a canoe, I row, and then I wait. You row, and then you wait. I row and then I wait. Because think about it, you're in a new relationship, you're calling, hey, I'll cook you dinner. And then the next night you're like, I loved cooking dinner last night. I could cook again. I love cooking. It's no big deal. I could just, I've got some things I could throw together. Stop it. Right. I row, then you wait for him to ask you to go out to dinner and he'll buy dinner. Right. Then you row, right? right? So it's like you have to take turns. Otherwise, what you're doing is training the yeah. other person. 
to, to be Lane and yeah. sit on the couch. <laughs> Love you, Lane. We're just teasing. But but then you're training them. They're like, I'll do dinner all the time. I'll clean everything. I'll take your plate for you. Right. You sit. I'll do everything. And you're training them for that. Yeah. Yeah, Jacqueline says, mm -hmm. I feel when I do less, people compliment me more on my work. <laughs> How is that true? Is that? Yeah, with codependency, she says the word no is something we have to struggle to use. Yeah. We have to. We've, you know, we've talked about that before. And I think codependency and perfectionism really go hand They're in married. Hand. They are. They're besties. They are because you really just want to be right. You want to be perfect. You want everyone to know how perfect and wonderful you are and, and you. praise you for being the person. Um, but when it doesn't turn out like that, then you're like, oh. <laughs> That's why we keep going back to the concept of enough. Um, there's a chapter in Brene Brown's book, page 23, exploring the power of love, belonging, and being enough. Um, because all of our self-esteem gets invested in, do you find that, do you love me? Do you approve of me? And do you think I'm enough? And that's why it goes back to those mantras and those affirmations of knowing that if, that you're enough just the way you are, who you are, not what you're doing. So I often talk about like patting yourself on the back or I'll be, you know, not so much anymore, but I used to be driving in my car and I would just simply say out loud, I am, I am smart enough, I am pretty enough, I am kind enough, I'm a good enough friend, I'm a good enough mom, I'm a good enough wife, I am enough. Even and I write that, that stuff day. down. Yeah. I mean, I write it in my journal because I, yeah. I, I don't know, I feel weird saying it to myself. <laughs> but if I write it, it doesn't feel as weird for some reason. But And then I mean, read it to yourself. And read it to yourself. Right. Yeah. But it's actually, you know, the brain is like a computer. And so mm -hmm. you have to think of it as data entry. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. You say you feel weird saying it to yourself, but I'll bet you 50 bucks you have no problem going, I look fat in this. Right. <laughs> why am I so stupid? Or why didn't I do that? You know, you why didn't I do that the right way? Or why didn't I remember to do that? You, you know? don't have any problem saying that no, out loud to yourself. You say true. that in front of 10 people, but I don't want to say something nice about right, myself. Right, it's the true. same data entry system. When you say, I am fat, I am ugly, I am worthless, mm -hmm. out loud, your computer says, okay, thank you for that information, and you will now feel fat, ugly, and worthless. Right. If you say, I am enough, you know, I feel the same way. Like when people at work are, you know, say, you know, this job sucks or, um, you know, it's the, you know, I, it, life just sucks. And, and, mm. and I look at them and I say, you're creating your reality. I mean, you create, you're making your job suck because you, you're saying it, mm -hmm. you're saying it. And so of course your life is going to yeah. suck and your job is going to suck. And you yes. continue to put that into your brain, you know? And I think, you know, um, I'd love for us to do a video in the near future, so kind of a sneak peek on what we do put in the universe and that whole concept of the law of attraction mm -hmm. and what we manifest and mm -hmm. what we're drawing to us. I think that that's important for for everybody to understand those concepts and how much impact it makes yeah. um, overall. Well, we'll do that in our next video. <laughs> Or yeah, one in the future. It. Jacqueline says, I love the practice of talking to yourself like you're talking to your best friend. I Aww, love this theory. That's yeah. so wonderful. It's Thank true. you, Jacqueline. And that's a great concept to say. Like, would you say this to your best friend? Would you mm -hmm. say this to your daughter, what you say to yourself? Yeah. Rachel says, I have always been treated like I'm not important. Oh, I'm so sorry. You know what? So, so this is just for you, Rachel, that it's very, very important that you start valuing yourself and that you start sending your brain messages of 
I am important and I'm worth it. I went uh, to a training once and this, this really changed my life so I'm glad you brought this up. Went to a training once and the trainer was amazing and she said I want everybody to write down on a piece of paper a word that they hate or that, that really bothers them and triggers them. And so mine was entitlement. I hate entitled people and I was very proud and I <laughs> wrote it big and entitlement. Yeah, I hate entitlement. And she said, okay, great. Now I want everyone in the room to tell me what is good about your word. Oh. What is good about what entitlement. What is good about being entitled. Mm -hmm. And then I got hit in the face with a brick. Because entitlement means I deserve. And I had spent my whole life not feeling like I deserved anything. I spent my whole life so up to that point. So people who felt entitled triggered you because you didn't feel like you deserved. How dare you think that you deserve when I don't deserve. I had spent my whole life up to that point being grateful. Mm -hmm. Everybody would say, oh, you did a great job. I say, oh, it's not me. I'm just grateful. Mm -hmm. I'm blessed. I, I, I have, it has nothing to do with me. It must be a God thing. I've had people confront me and say, no, it's a you thing. Right. You're great. And I, oh, well, it's not me. So I, when I left that tr uh, training, everybody had to take their word and they had to say it every day. So I had to leave there oh. and say every day, I deserve, I have worth, right. I'm valuable. I deserve. And again, it changed my life. And my husband could attest to that because I joked I had just gone to that training as I was meeting him mm -hmm. and we were talking about engagement and, I, and he was talking about rings and I was like, oh, this is a really bad time to meet me because I deserve. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas in the past I've been like, a cigar wrapper is fine. I don't need a ring. I don't need any symbol. So You're like, you better put the ring on it, honey. <laughs> I got a beautiful ring. And you know what he said back to me? You do. He said, you do. Yeah. You deserve everything I could ever give you. And the reason he said that is because I had been making those changes and I had been loving mm -hmm. myself and valuing myself and starting to feel like I deserve. You know, and I feel the same way. Like, same with my career. Like, it started to take off when I really realized, you know, my value and what right. I was worth. And I wasn't going to continue to work myself into the ground and continue right. to, because I knew that what I was giving was enough, right. you know? And I think when you start to really practice that and really, really take care of yourself, you know, and make yourself important, Rachel, because no one's going to make you feel important. Mm -hmm. You know, no one's going to do that. You have to make yourself feel important. When you act as if you're important, you will attract people who treat you that way. Mm -hmm. And the most powerful thing my husband ever said to me during this time frame, because we were dating and getting to know each other. And he said to me, oh, you would never tolerate that. And I, inside I went, oh, yeah. I am putting off a vibe that I value myself so much that right. you would never get away with that with right. me. And I'd never put off that vibe before. Right. So finally being so valuable to myself, I was setting boundaries that said, I'm important. You need to treat me a certain way to be in my life. So yes, Rachel, when you say people don't treat you important, your contribution to that is that you need to treat yourself really important and send the message to people that's not acceptable. I don't know if you've met me, but I'm valuable mm -hmm. and I deserve 
more than what you're doing. And sometimes it takes the courage to walk away from people who don't value you yeah. and start. And once we close those doors, like I did a whole clean out period at a certain time in my life. Mm -hmm. These people are not treating me right. These people. And now I have people in my life who believe that I'm valuable and believe that I deserve and they treat me as such. And it's all that I would tolerate. Right. And it, you'll you'll continue to be tested. Time. Yeah, yeah. you'll continue to be tested oh, by yeah. people who, you know, <laughs> who make you feel like you're not important. And you have to set boundaries and really say, you know what, I'm worth it. Mm -hmm. And um, it's not an overnight thing. I think mm -hmm. you know everyone looks at us and they think, oh, they've got it all figured out. And I've said this before, no. No. <laughs> we don't have it all figured out. I used a Q-tip this morning a <laughs> to, clean, to, to clean, clean her her grout. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not the grout, but it doesn't matter. It was Whatever. over the top. So it was over yeah. the top. It was way over the top. I'm gonna like throw out all my Q-tips. I feel like I need some video of you <laughs> cleaning with a Q-tip. <laughs> I did that. Now I am alone. Oh. Okay, so so I have good news for you. There is an alone period, Rachel, mm -hmm. where when you clean out the yep. people who don't treat you well, it's very lonely. It is very healthy is a lonely place mm -hmm. and when you have that time period here's what I promise you I remember my I was alone for probably two or three years as far as friends because I just had to get rid of the people that weren't good mm -hmm. you know as far as locally mm -hmm. I had all my college roommates that were far away but locally and it took two or three years and then I built a squad of like mm -hmm. five women and they're still in my life today I just saw some of them yesterday for Thanksgiving and or Thursday that's what you have to do is keep believing and keep putting that out there and you will begin to attract new people mm -hmm. who value you and you will build that squad of people and it does it's hard it takes it is time hard. it does take it time it takes time yeah i mean i was i was the same you know after my divorce i lost a lot of friends mm -hmm. and same thing it, you know it was hard it was yeah. really hard during being alone during that time but it's that's part of the process it really it is. is it is but it will come back around yeah anything know? we clean out and we get rid of the old it's yeah. it's going to take some time to get the new for most of us i mean right. to rebuild it's a rebuilding process it's like knocking down the house and rebuilding it right Jacqueline has another codependency issue, setting boundaries. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I said before in an earlier video that I hate that word because I don't even, <laughs> I hate saying boundaries because I feel like I've always struggled with setting boundaries, but it's really just about taking care of yourself and doing what is right for you, yes. you know, and knowing what that is, you know, knowing what that looks like. Asking yourself that question. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a great discussion. Thank Yay. you all for joining us on Facebook Live. We really appreciate it. And um, don't forget the two books that we recommended today are... Brene Brown, The Gifts of Imperfection. And mine was Radical Acceptance. And this is um, by Tara Brock. She is also a therapist. And she talks about just embracing who you are. And like I said, I bought this book and initially was like, uh, it doesn't really connect with me. But then I picked it up a few um, months later. And it really is, really is a great book. So um, Jonathan says, being alone brings you closer to your true self. That is true. Right. Jacqueline, love you girls. Have a great weekend. Oh, Thank you. you Thanks, too. Jacqueline. Oh, Daryl. Daryl, love it. Hey, you Sarah. Thank you. Oh, wow. Super Soul Sunday, girl. You stop it Sarah. right now. She says we're <laughs> better you. than Super Soul Sunday. Could you call Oprah and just tell her that? <laughs> we don't you. need Oprah. <laughs> Who needs Oprah? We, we need Shannon. you, Oprah. We need you. Don't listen to her. Oh, thank uh, you, Lori. Thanks, Lori. That's my friend.
friend Lori. So well, thank take you guys care, for everyone. watching. We really appreciate it. And um, we're going to post a video every week. So make yes. sure you join us every Saturday. We'll be posting our videos. And if you have anything you're struggling with, any ideas, yes. please let us know. And also, please, please, please share these videos. That is the highest compliment is if oh. you share and like our page. Thank you. Um, we would really, really appreciate it. All right. Have a great well. day, everyone. And we'll see you back here very soon. Take care of yourself.